Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. Last week, we were discussing a few of the examples he used as he tries to make the case that God needs our prayers and can only act through humans. We didn't quite get to the third part of that, so we are going to pick up with the passage in Ezekiel. Do you want to read that for us, and then we'll discuss how he applies it? Sure. Ezekiel chapter 22, starting with verse 30. I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Thus I poured out my indignation upon them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their way I have brought upon their heads, declares the Lord God. That's Ezekiel. 22, 30, and 31. All right, and that's what he cites in here. So then here's his comment. This passage is clearly saying, while my justice demanded judgment, my love wanted forgiveness. Had I been able to find a human to ask me to spare this people, I could have. It would have allowed me to show mercy because I found no one, however, I had to destroy them. Every time... Sheets has an opportunity to diminish God's sovereignty. He takes it. Yep. Across the board. Across the board. And the less God is sovereign over his own plans, over providence, over his purposes, over what he does, the better does Sheets gets excited about it. Which is just, but that would scare me. I quite would rather God be sovereign over things. Well, this is not the only version of this, but there are other versions now called open theism, where God doesn't know the future. He only knows some things. And this is a different version of it, but it's the same heresy that we're more comforted if God's not in charge of his own purposes and plans and work of creation redemption, atonement, and so forth. Yep. So how he how he states this here really makes God out to be this needy person who would have liked to have saved people, but he couldn't. If you actually read that passage in context, I mean, it's pretty stark. I'll just back up a couple of verses and we'll read this in context. So starting at verse 23, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in the midst of her. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane. 
They have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they hide their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. And it goes on and on and on. And as you're reading through this, you don't get the feeling that God is just wringing his hands, hoping somebody will step up. No, it's a description of apostasy. Yeah. And sin. And that's not shocking. Right. I mean, he says, verse 21, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you will be melted in the midst of it. Yeah, so God is sovereign, and he declares apostasy to be what it is, and there's a warning about wrath. Right. What Dutch Sheets and those who have similar uh, man-centered theology learn from this is if the right person comes along and does things the proper way, this would be different. Right. So anything that will describe God as contingent on his own creation is what they get really excited about. Which is just sad. And even looking at this passage here, God knew all along who was in the land and who was his and who was not. It wasn't like he was looking around not knowing if there was somebody there that was going to stand in the gap. He already knew. Yes, these various laments aren't about the ultimate nature of God as the non-contingent sovereign creator who created the entire universe out of nothing. They're statements about the moral qualities of the people who should know better. Right. And when these open theists, I don't know if he has enough theology to probably came along later, although Molina was before Greg Boyd. This has been around before. Yeah. This idea of, you know, God being contingent or things being different. But the fact is that that's not what we're supposed to learn about from reading Ezekiel. Right. And this goes all the way back, as I've been rereading some of these chapters in Sheet's book, again and again, we get the idea that God himself is contingent and that some man has to show up to get things right. Otherwise, God is in a dilemma. He can't accomplish his purposes. Right. And he comes right out and says that he says, I don't like to consider the ramifications of a God who has somehow limited himself to us earthlings. But in light of these and other passages, as well as the condition of the world, I can come to no other conclusion. Well, that's a pretty good indication that he ought to stop being a Bible teacher and a preacher and learn theology. Yeah. And people who have listened to this sort of teaching some of whom I've known for for many, many decades, people contact me, and this doesn't end up helping people. Right. And I ask people, if you read the ending of Romans chapter 8, for example, and I've got some verses here we'll cover either in this session or the next one, that are written to comfort us that, He intercedes for us, the Holy Spirit, the Son intercedes for us, 
and we're safe. Right. And those who have been influenced by Dutch Sheets and C. Peter Wagner and the other false teachers who follow the same idea find no comfort that God will ultimately keep us. Right. Why Which, not? Because, because they don't believe, yeah, they don't believe the word of God. Right. That's, that's not the God they believe in. They believe in a contingent God who can't get things done unless we help him. Right. And, you know, they kind of have little qualifications here and there, but that's really what it boils down to. In his book, uh, Dutch Sheets quotes C. Peter Wagner, saying human inaction does not nullify the atonement, but human inaction can make the atonement ineffective for lost people. I'm not surprised that they say that. Yeah. But what action are we supposed to take other than to preach the gospel to everyone? Right. That's what we're called to do. Well, I do that every week. But having debated people like, I haven't debated Sheets. I have never met him. Mm -hmm. But I've been in public debates with people who have similar theology. Yeah. They are undeterred. They are bound to keep teaching that God is dependent on man that God isn't sovereign, and that unless we take certain action, God's eternal purposes will fail. Right. And, I mean, he, he really says this here, page 40, either he is powerless to do anything about it, or he needs and is waiting on something from us to bring about change. He's yeah, speaking so, of the condition of the world. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Reading this and what happened here, rereading this material and getting ready for this recording session, I thought of an article I wrote in 2007 called Personal Words from God. Yes. It's issue number 98, Critical Issues Commentary. And I pulled it up, got it in a little better format as far as the PDF printed this morning. I just reread it. It's exactly what the problem is. And yes. these personal words from God, in other words, God wants to do something. So Dutch Sheets is going to go up into the realm of the intercessors with God and get some revelation. Okay. And then when he gets his revelation, and there's stories like this, almost every chapter starts with another story that would make us think, wow, what a great man of God this Dutch Sheets is. Yes. Story after story. And it's so disgusting to me because when I was young, I heard so many of those. Okay. And the charismatic movement, the, uh, the group I was in, the leader of our group, had story after story about how God told him exactly what to do. And he did it. And somebody gave him a whole bunch of money or we were able to buy this thing or this great thing happened. Okay. So I call that miracle guidance stories. Yeah. And somehow they always work in some magnificent way for the leaders that we're supposed to listen to, but the pathetic followers keep botching it up. Oh no. And so this was frankly not, it's very distasteful. This stuff, it brings back this, 
the word of faith doctrine, the E.W. Kenyon heresy, the idea that God is going to raise up some perfected apostles and prophets that are better than everybody else at hearing from God. So here's these stories. Okay. And in the end, and the issue 98, if our listeners want to find that on CICministry.org, I lay this all out. And 15 years ago, it's like I'm reading uh, the material myself all over again. And I just finished all of it. It's very tight logic. Okay. These personal words from God, like death sheets get. So God needs a man. In Ezekiel's day, he didn't have one. But now there's these people that come along because Jesus ascended to heaven and he needs us if anything's going to get done. Okay. And that's very clear in his book. Yeah. And so how are we going to get these things done through intercession other than following the example of Dutch sheets and you get revelations? Right. Okay. God wants to do this in some certain place. Okay. So he gets a revelation. Then he intercedes and speaks it and these glorious things happen. Now, for the people who listen to the teachers whose stories never fail, they think, wow, that would be amazing. If I had some uh, hotline to heaven that's going to work out every single time, imagine how great my life would be. Right. And then we're right back to he must decrease and I must increase. Yes. And in fact, when I read Sheets and others, this John the Baptist in reverse. Yeah. John the Baptist said, uh, I must decrease, he must increase. Dutch Sheets, Greg Boyd, who's of a different genre, but similar idea. All those who have a contingent God who depends on man have that same theology. Okay. okay. And so in order for God to be fair or for the, us to have hope, that all these things are going to happen. We need God to be dependent on man getting it right and speaking words and believing their own words. Wow. And that's just, that's the opposite of truth. That's not yes. what we find in scripture. That's what made me think of that article from 2007. And I reread it. And what is deficient? And we'll see this as we go forward here today. We'll have another session on this. And I've looked this up as far as every time the word intercession uh, or intercede is found in the New Testament. We see that this is not a biblical view of God. And it destroys God's providence. It destroys God's promises. Because there's no such thing in Dutch Sheets' false theology for God making a promise and unilaterally bringing it to pass without man helping him. Right. And he, I mean, he comes right out and says that God can't act without humans doing their part. And if you're listening to this and you've been harmed by this sort of teaching, whether it came directly from C. Peter Wagner or, the, or Bill Johnson out in Reading or Mike Bickle in Kansas City or any of these other false prophets of which there are so many, Todd Bentley would be another one. 
one after another, they're saying the same thing. And the followers of this end up severely harmed, disillusioned, and some of which just give up. Right. They're thinking that they're going to be the perfected, latter-day, great people of God, pious, perfected, powerful, listening to God, doing these things that has, has always in the past failed, but it doesn't actually happen. Yep. And the miracle guidance stories always sound great for the people who give them, but we don't have any way for the most part to check it out. Right. And, you know, especially once they start talking, okay, God told me, well, how do we know that? Well, there's no, there's no way of, I mean, we know it's false because we know God's word, but even if it were true, how would we verify that? How would we know? Well, we don't. And the categories are wrong. And one of the things I found through interviewing over many years, people who were harmed by these movements, some of whom actually went and joined, whether it's Kansas City or whatever, I interviewed people that came from there. It doesn't work out. And they told me that most young people, when they get disillusioned, not only leave, they just quit being Christian altogether. Wow. And the way these false teachers, the New Apostolic Reformation, the C. Peter Wagners, who's no longer on the scene of history, mm-hmm. but those who claim that the church has gotten it wrong, that the, that they have a greater power than even those people in the Bible, they find young people who are very idealistic and hopeful, and they look at whoever their parents were or whatever ordinary Christians may have looked like and saw, well, that's not good enough. I want something better. Right. And we see that all the time. Okay. So yeah, Kansas city, you have the IHOP, you have Bethel. Yeah. It, songs. Yeah. It, it's basically a cult. Well, what happens is for individuals, it fails. Yes. I can't judge whether the parents view of Christ and the gospel was inadequate or not, if I didn't never knew them. Although I had a parent call me concerned about his child and he went to see what was being taught down there with Mike Bickle and this, by the way, they claim to be a new breed of man. Yes. Okay. There is no such thing. Okay. Other than antichrist but that's that's yet future. Nevertheless, um, he was very concerned and, and got me material and to, to research, which I did, and I wrote an article about it. There's no claim so utterly absurd in its grandiosity that they won't make it. Okay. In fact, they don't even know how to blush. Right. To stand up there and say, I am the great apostle and prophet. Our group, in fact, I mentioned this before, some of them actually go to Israel and think that Antichrist will show up and they will be the Elijah that defeats Antichrist. Oh, wow. 
and I've got a, I was contacted by someone who uh, had read my article and said, they're here and that's what they're doing. Wow. And if you could think of the most over the top, grand, absurd way to describe yourself and make that and say it over and over again, that's those guys. Right. That's dust sheep. And there is so much pride in that. It should be shocking. Yes. And the same with Bill Johnson. They just ignore the critics because they believe that if they ignore us, that puts them on higher ground. Okay. Because we're creating disunity. So the best thing to do is to ignore us. Right. The reason they do is they have no answer. Yes. And they're so hardened that they literally, as it says in the prophets in the Old Testament, have forgotten how to blush. Yes. And to make grand claims, to have those claims fail, and then just keep going on, keep going on. Eventually, it's going to work. And it's really sad. And so I've been asked by parents who have seen their children harmed by this, and by others who've gotten out of it, and they're wanting to know what would be solid ground to build on, which obviously is Christ, the gospel, and his promises. God cannot lie. He's spoken. And looking at this, what we have to do is quit believing these claims. Right. Okay. Because if the people in the Bible who were called by God failed, but God still used them, why would we think that there's some new breed of man that's going to come along and be better than Christ and his apostles and Moses and Elijah and everybody else? Right. There's no, you, we just can't find that idea. It's not there. Right. So let me ask a simple question that I hope it helps us think about this. Okay. Here's the question, and we can look at this more in the next session. Are you more comforted that Jesus Christ is interceding for you and has given you promises that he'll keep you and bring you all the way to glory? Or are you more comforted if you could get special revelations and tell Jesus what to intercede for? Wow. We, you know, we really need to trust God and trust the promises of God and stay in his word and keep focused on who he is and what he has done for us and trust him for the outcome. And I've asked that question to people and they don't want their eyes glaze over. They don't want to hear that God keeps his promises, that he will not allow any created thing to separate us from the love of God and that he will keep us. Yes. There, and I think I know the reason because many have just told me what it is. Okay. They would rather have God seem fair in the mind of fallen sinners 
than to be who he says he is in the Bible. Absolutely. And I used to think like that. I remember. <laughs> yep. But, but honestly, we don't really, we, you know, we don't really want fair. Well, we don't understand that fair would damn us. Right. Mercy saves us. Yes. And the other thing, and we've written about creedalism and parochialism, some people realize the, the faultiness of that, and they go join a, a, some sort of a creedal denomination that has all of this figured out hundreds of years ago. Okay. And whatever flaws there are in the group, they're willing to put up with because they at least have the answer that God actually elects people. Yes. But to me, that is just giving up on the essential issue, which is the authority of scripture and the priesthood of every believer. Yes. And let me ask you this, dear listeners. If you were to search the scriptures, learn the truth, and have a hunger and thirst for righteousness that only God can give, and trust him, and gather with others who are willing to search the scriptures, would you accept what the Bible says? Because he, he designs this to comfort us and to keep us because we live in a world that's hostile to everything we believe. Exactly. But why would I tell people, and I've done this many times, start with Romans 8, 27, and read all the way to the end of Romans 8. Okay. I've said that. Yeah. And I never hear back from most of them. Right. We talked about that one a, while, a few series ago, but, you know, it is. Usually they either say nothing or they come back with, well, they, you know, I, but what about me? I could, you know, decide to jump out of his hand or, you know, well, so I ask, is your human will a created thing or not? Right. And if it is, then God will keep you. So what we need to do then as we go to the next chapter of Sheets um, work we want to think about this. What does the term intercede mean in the New Testament? Who's interceding for us? And what are the implications of that? And the second thing we need to contemplate as we prepare to do the next session, do I need some special revelation gained through some subjective means to make intercession effective. Okay. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.